0: A Justus Lesbians production. Listen, I have a confession to make. I'm not real proud of this, so I'm just going to come out and say it. But I'm a ninja type of lesbian. You've heard of that before, right? The kind who's in stealth mode? You've no idea they're gay until they come out? Well, this ninja mode happened recently, while I was doing volunteer work. I was in an assembly line and I was making small talk to an older lady right next to me. I found out she's retired, happily married with her second husband who was also there volunteering alongside her. I was enjoying getting to know her and making new friends. Then she started asking questions about me. She asked about what I do for a living, how old I was, if I was married or if I have any kids. See, I have canned responses to these questions. I told her I moved to San Antonio two years ago after my divorce, I have no kids, and I have a cat named Joe. Nowhere in that conversation did I mention I was married to a woman. I do this almost always in unfamiliar settings. Would you consider that cowardly? I think so. I just know that sometimes being gay may not always be accepted or welcomed. So, if I don't have to absolutely admit who I really am, I usually leave that part out. Now, you might be wondering why I'm sharing all of these. It's because our guest today inspires me to be a little less stealth. She makes me want to step out in hiding to be more carefree and brave. She's a great example of someone who didn't let her identity or sexuality hold her back from accomplishing what she set her mind to do. And I can't wait for you guys to take a bite from today's menu of the Taco Stand podcast. (laughs) Our guest today, drum rolls please, <laughs> your guest is right, our very own San Antonio Wonder Woman, the Honorable Judge Speedlin Gonzalez. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: I'm going to dive right in because this podcast can't wait to unpack everything about you, especially your personal side, your identity, your identity. So we're going to dive right in. When did you first realize that you were interested in women?
1: The realization came later in my 20s, maybe in my early 20s. But in hindsight, if I start to now, you know, examine, and I have, you know, my life as I was growing up, um, I don't know if I told you, my parents got me a life-size doll that I used to sleep with. hmm um at 5 years old i was the boy of a dancing uh, you know that we had an annual festival in my hometown Charo days and all the schools submit a group of kids dancing a particular mexican dance from a particular mexican state and they march in this these parades for 3 days and they stop and they dance and then keep going so my school i was in pre-k or kindergarten was um tiny tot Mm-hmm. daycare and I was in kindergarten and they didn't have enough boys. Mm-hmm. So I was made a boy and they, they put sideburns and, and, and a mustache and I had a sombrero and a charo suit and we danced the Mexican hat dance. Right. And so there was that. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, just, I, I remember in seventh grade getting a rise out of the fact that there was a, a, a classmate, a very pretty girl, uh-huh. probably the prettiest in the class who had a crush on me, but didn't know that I was a girl. She thought I was a boy. And oh. I kind of like got got off to that, like, yeah. oh, you know? And then, you know, just little pieces, you know, I always ha- had, you know, like in high school, I, I had a couple of girl relationships, like best friends, but they were like more than best friends. I mean, there was just very intense relationships with women. right? But never, never, ever, ever crossed that line of, touching inappropriately or any type of inappropriate physical contact like that. We're just, you know, friends. Mm -hmm. But I think the first dipping the toe into what is it, what does it feel like to be with a woman was in college at St. Mary's when I I went to school here in San Antonio.
0: Gotcha. So as early as five years old, pretty much, you were like, I you felt like I'm different. different. Yes.
1: You know, yes. I I was. I mean, why don't I I like the frilly itchy pantyhose. Uh, my mom or the the frilly socks. I'm right. like I hate lace. Yeah. What is that what is that about? I love the feel of leather like on a softball glove. Uh-huh. Uh I'd rather I was playing outside with the boys as opposed right. to the fake teacups inside with the girls. Yeah, I didn't have dolls. Barbie dolls. Yeah. You know, my brother had dolls and in the way of GI Joe or stretch Armstrong, right. I didn't have that. I had sports equipment and the more sports equipment I could get my hands on the better. Yeah. That was me as a kid, yeah. you know, the Always baseball active. cap, the tomboy, yeah. the tomboy, no matter what it was, I was a tomboy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So is it fair to ask if you've ever been with a man
1: oh I have I had boyfriends you,
0: you did oh, okay yeah.
1: yeah, I had boyfriends um all through my early twenties, and it was it was a transition, right? It was boys, uh-huh, you know boys only, and then it was like, but I think I like girls, and I girl, boy, 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 girl, 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 boy, 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 girl, you know, and it was like until okay no more boys and it's women.
0: This is it for me. Right. Yes.
1: And then, you know, the rest of my life, it's, I think I've had conversations with people where every time I meet somebody new Mm -hmm. that I don't know. And, and for, for, for whatever reason, they're oblivious to my, my, my identity Mm -hmm. and how I self identify. It's a a coming out process all over again. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But your first coming out happened officially 1985. I think we had that conversation. That
1: um, right? Well, that's when I, I, I transferred to St. Mary, So that was the toe dipping. Uh-huh. I, and I, I always want to say my coming out started when I finally came out to my mother. To your mom. And that was, at, I remember I was 26. Gotcha. And I was in my hometown, I was visiting, I had, I was already living with my first live in girlfriend. Right. And I remember it was a Sunday morning and we were having barbacoa and she's sitting at the end of the dining mm-hmm. room table doing her classic stuff, which was reading the Sunday paper, having a cup of coffee. We're sharing barbacoa tacos. And I told you, I got to tell you something, mom, and I'm struggling and I, I, I spit it out, right? I'm gay. And she, if you can imagine her with the newspaper and she folds it over right at her eye line Uh and she looks at me and then she pulls the the newspaper to the side and she says, tell me something I don't already know. Uh And then she straightens the newspaper out again. I can't see her. She's behind the newspaper and she doesn't miss a beat. She just keeps reading the Sunday paper. So, all that angst lead, leading up leading to it to was like for naught because right. she had like a very low grade reaction. No to it.
0: reaction whatsoever. And you were expecting like tears. Yes. Yeah. Some
1: drama. There was yeah. no drama. There was no drama.
0: Wow. And that was that? That was that. Wow. Is it because she's always known? Is that what it is? Or.
1: um? I, n- I never asked her and no. she's passed away. So that I yeah. can not even ask her now. Um, I think my dad always knew. I didn't have to come out to him. He just always said things that, I'll give you an example. They came to visit me in San Antonio and River Center Mall had just opened. And, you know, it has all those glass walls. You can see people across the mall on the other side of the river walk. Right. And my mom was in some shop shopping and he and I were outside of the shop Looking toward the river walk, looking across, and he could see a woman dressed in white, mm-hmm. and we were tracking her walking. He and I both together.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, and she finally makes it all the way down to where we're at, and she walks past us, and he looks at me and he said in Spanish, "Mira, nomás, lo- las cosas que nos da Dios." Look at Which what means- the gifts that God gives us, oh. right? And he said it to me, and I'm yeah. like. How come you didn't say it to my brother? Right. But you say, so so that I was love that. that. Yeah. And then there was another time where I was going through a breakup, and I left my residence, and my ex girlfriend was still there with 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 her two boys, uh-huh. and I left, and I said I'm gonna be gone for a week. Mm-hmm. I said it gives you time to pack up and do whatever you want and go and leave, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so I took longer than a week, and he's at home with me, and he's like. You need to get back. You need to get back to San Antonio because she is gonna wipe you out and leave you with nothing. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him. I'm like, I didn't say anything. I'm like, well, how does he know? Does he know right? right. So that afternoon, I packed my my little overnight bag that I had, uh-huh. and I came back up to San Antonio. She was gone. She didn't take everything. She didn't. I mean, but yeah, it was advice he was giving me, you know, yeah. about this woman. Right. So. I think both of them had some sense that yeah. I was not going to be their traditional daughter no. that you know was going to get married and have kids and all that.
0: So does that help you become a lot more comfortable with your skin and a lot more comfortable being public about it?
1: Well, I I think it it probably did help, uh-huh. and I hate to you know think of what might have happened if they disowned me or. Right. Uh, cut me off financially or emotionally, but they didn't. You know, they were still supportive, and we continued to operate and behave in the in the manner that some families do. We visit each other. I'd go down, they'd come up. Yeah. You know, they'd ask about stuff. They'd help. I'd help. So, um, I, I want to say it did in in that sense. And again, but my mom and dad raised my brother and I to be very independent thinkers. Mm-hmm. And not worry about what other people said or thought. And as long as we were doing the right thing by others and not being, you know, hurtful or harming ourselves, then we could do whatever we wanted. And both my parents with me had conversations of. You know, what do you want to be? You can be whatever you want. You want to be a lawyer. You want to be an artist. You want to be a musician. What do you want to be? You want to be an astronaut so we can help you, yeah. you know, and, and we'll help you, you know, achieve whatever dream you have. Right. That was always their attitude yeah. toward us. We just want you to be happy.
0: Yes, exactly. Right. They didn't even care really about your identity. All they want is for you to be happy. potentially happy, yeah. successful, successful living a, you know, living, the I'm, good life. I'm sure
1: that it would have been ecstatic if I was just like asexual and not Same. have come out and just stayed quote unquote single yep. and been successful single. Yeah. But it didn't turn out that way for me. Right. Right. And so they were willing and able to accept me for who I was. And I, I happened to be a lesbian, a gay woman.
0: Yeah. So you came out to your mom tw- when you were 26. So that was around 1986 yeah what was
1: the no it was later than that because i graduated from college i remember december of 86 and i walked in 87 from saint mary's Uh and i was 21 22 at the time so add four years to that so it was like 1990 91
0: okay yeah so what was the environment like then during those times
1: it was still um i remember in college it was there was a lot of uh hiding uh-huh. You know, you don't let people know you're gay. Don't let people know we're gay. Don't, don't out people. Right. Um, people hiding. Um, and the environment was still very much that. All the way, I mean, I can tell you, let's fast forward to 2010 when I first ran for judge. Yeah. And I was an out candidate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And my own party, people that care about me were coming up to me saying, you're never going to win. You're not going to win as an out candidate. You're not a viable candidate if you're out. Mm-hmm. And you're out already, so you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Mm-hmm. And then, so I lost, but I wasn't the only one that lost. Every Democrat lost, right? Right. And four years later, I ran again in 2014. Same approach from people on, you know, trying to help me and say you're not going to win as an out candidate again. Every Democrat lost unless they were unopposed. And then, fast forward to 2018. And we were able to flip the tables, and I ran as an out candidate, and I beat my opponent by over seventy thousand votes.
0: Wow! Yeah. So- and it happened
1: again four years later. I beat my opponent by over you know seventy thousand votes. Yeah. So
0: it's definitely become a lot more welcoming for all of us. And you know, I I cannot thank all the LGBTQ groups out there, HRC, for making it all available for all of us. But. Um, have you ever feared about being out and yes. proud?
1: And I'll tell you, um, Stacy speaks all over the country. We've yeah. been to Canada with her. Mm-hmm. She's been to Mexico with me on speaking engagements. And there's been parts of the country where she has been invited to speak. And we have a conversation before we leave the hotel room. And, and we say we got to be mindful yeah. about the people around us. Um, we need to read the room and see if we're comfortable holding hands or, you know, having public displays of affection, because if we're not feeling safe, we're not going to do it. So Mm -hmm. there's been a couple of places, um, that we've visited that we've had that feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's still places everywhere we go that if you go into certain segments of the community, we're going to feel, As if we're not safe.
0: What set you into the politics and was it challenging being gay to get into, getting into that kind of career path?
1: I've never let my identity be a challenge because it is who I am.
2: Yeah.
1: I've tried to live authentically Uh and I've gotten much more positive response for that. And so I've never seen it as an obstacle to running for office or being an attorney. Other people have seen me as an obstacle to their beliefs. Mm. When I first started practicing law, I couldn't practice in certain courts. There was a court in Comal County. There was another court in Medina County where the judges required female attorneys to wear skirts or dresses. Mm. And if you were a female attorney and didn't have a skirt or dress on, you could not go past the bar to practice your your craft and confer with other attorneys or or in some cases the prosecutors you were just barred wow so i didn't practice in those in those counties because i wasn't you are i'm one i wasn't going to going to bend to yeah. their fears mm-hmm. their prejudices mm-hmm. um and i continued i remember i graduated from law school and i passed when i passed the bar i got rid of all my dresses and skirts because in law school I I competed as an advocate. And when you went to those tournaments, the coaches required the female advocates to wear a a skirt suit or a dress Mm -hmm. with a jacket. So I had those in my closet and I had pumps. Mm -hmm. And I also used them for interviews. Like when I interviewed with the, with the DA's office and things of that nature. And I remember, Graduate. Um, I remember passing the bar, and I knew I was going to be a solo practitioner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, if I'm a solo practitioner, then I'm going to dictate the trajectory of However. my career and right. how I build that. Mm-hmm. So I got rid of all my dresses,
2: mm-hmm. I got
1: rid of all my pumps, all my shoes. Yeah. And I made up my mind that I was going to be that lawyer that wore cowboy boots to Love the it. courthouse. Why? Nancy Grace worked. I mean, we know. From her career that she wore jeans and cowboy boots, uh-huh. right? We know that a- Ann Richards, as governor of Texas, would work as governor with cowboy boots on. Yep. And I'm like, why can't I wear cowboy right. boots as a female? And I did. And I ended up, you know, a- accumulating a-, a boot collection of over 50 boot pairs. You wow. Know?
0: And you're quite the fashionista, I have to say. <laughs> I just love that.
1: I attribute that to, to being a Garanimals kid. Uh-huh. And so when I was growing up, uh-huh. there was a line of clothing for children that was, that was uh, t- trademarked as Garanimals. And uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Uh-huh. And so early on, my brother and I were Winnie the Pooh kids. We were, we were Sears clothing kids. Why? Because my brother and I had big booties and thick thighs. Uh-huh. I say, I tell people we had Earl Campbell legs, right? <laughs> but we couldn't fit into clothes. Yeah. So the only maker of clothes that fit us were Sears Huskies. And they were pants that were relaxed fit and they had big legs and big booties. And so my mom, that's where she got us our, our jeans, our pants. And they came in different colors and then other Winnie the Pooh stuff. And then I got older and it was Garanimals And geranimals, You all you had to do was match the top with the bottom. And if it was a giraffe top, you had to find a giraffe bottom. Oh, that's
2: if awesome. it was a
1: hippopotamus top, you had yeah. to bo- find a hippopotamus bottom and the colors, the color scheme would match. match so yeah. you'd have an outfit. And so I, I got accustomed <laughs> to like matching tops right. with bottoms, the concept, um, concept, of yeah. matching colors and patterns. And I just kind of grew into that. So yeah. giranimals made me who I am today. <laughs> and I tease my friend, Michael Quintanilla, Mr. Fashionista. He's, uh, a retired journalist and fashion editor. And um, he does a lot of uh, MC jobs for nonprofits all over town. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, he just MC'd our uh, specialty court graduation yesterday. So I tease him that when I'm stumped in the morning or the night before, when I, when I like to lay out everything I'm going to wear, I said, what would Michael wear? <laughs> what would Michael approve of? <laughs>
0: well, you always look very chic well, every thank time you. I see you. Thank and you. it's always... A different flavor every time. It's never th- quite the same, and I love that. I love that you like you know change it up all the time. Can we talk about your uh, upbringing and you being in Texas? Have you have you always wanted to stay here?
1: No, no, no. When I when when I uh, graduated from high school, I was fortunate enough to be offered. Uh, an academic scholarship to the oldest private military academy in the country, uh-huh. Norwich university. And they ju- they had just acquired Vermont college and Vermont college, uh, was historically an all women's school that had a finishing school angle to it. Mm-hmm. So they taught you how to be a lady as well as, you know, you get, you know, your, your degree. Right. And that they still had some lingerings of that when I went to school there, uh-huh. but so follow me here. So that happens. Mm-hmm. So I'm in South Texas, and I, I've been offered an opportunity to go to school one hour south of the Canadian border in the state of Vermont. Right. I've also tested uh, very high on the ASVAP. I want to say my brother and I both like tested number one
2: mm-hmm.
1: wow. um, when we took it. Mm-hmm. And so I had all the branches of the military calling, saying, hey, sign with us, sign with us, sign with us. And, um, I had looked at the army and I was one signature away from enlisting. And I remember telling my parents, I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving Texas. I need to see the rest of the country, the rest of the world. I'm listen to this. I said, I'm sick of sand and palm trees. (laughs) I'm sick of sand. Who says that? (laughs) Right. And so they, I said, if, if I can't go to school in Vermont, I'm going to join the army. And my parents were like, we're not having that. No daughter of ours is going to be in the military because they had this perception that the military was just mm-hmm. not yeah. something, um, palatable. Right. Right. And so they let me go to school in Vermont. And I, so went from beach and sand and palm trees and year round 80, 90 degree weather to pine trees and mountains and snow Snow. in October through May. And I got what I wanted and I I got it in spades. Yeah. And um, by my second year, and I did well, I did well my first year. I went back my second year and my second year, I got an upper respiratory infection, Mm -hmm. lost my hearing. And I remember I came home and the school called my parents and they're like, oh, she's, she'll be fine. Let her heal up. But she's on, she's ahead in her credits. Send her back next fall. She'll be a junior.
2: Yeah.
1: And my mom and dad were like, okay. They, they hung up the phone and they look at me and they say, you're not going back up there. Why? For what? Yeah. So you can get sick again and you're going to stay in Texas. We'll pay for your school and you're going to St. Mary's. Okay.
0: Oh, so that got dictated. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Got it. And I'm happy for that. They made some really good choices for me. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes I do appreciate parents intervening because it's the same for me. When my parent, I was going to go to theater school, but my parents were like, no, we're not going to pay for that education. You're either going to take engineering or information technology. So I ended up doing computers, which, you know, set me on a good path. It moved me to the United States and everything. So I, and now we can do whatever we want, right? right, Now we have more choices and opportunities. Yes. So, but political science, was that your actual choice?
1: So in Vermont, it was government. Okay. And then when I came over to St. Mary's, their government degree was a political science degree. So I got my political science degree Uh and, um, was, I remember, uh, Dr. Henry Flores, who was an advisor at St. Mary's, said, you need to go to graduate school and you know we'll pay for you to be in graduate school. It's here at St. Mary's. So I, I started the master's in public administration mm-hmm. program mm-hmm. and lingered around for about a year. This was 1987, 88. The heyday of the 80s kind of culture, the very self-centered clubbing, mm-hmm. drugging, drinking, uh, I don't want to do anything but be out partying, drunking, yeah. drugging. <laughs> and so I dropped out. Yeah, I dropped out and I remember walking from campus over to, um, it was about maybe a mile, if that much, to Woodlawn and St. Cloud intersection, which is where the children's shelter is now. But back then, it was a, a hospital, a residential treatment facility for children. Mm. And it was located next to the old and original san antonio orphanage and the orphanage was this big red brick two or three story building that was built like in the 20s or 30s and it had this huge horseshoe driveway in front of it and next to it was the southwest neuropsychiatric institute for children and that's where i walked in uh
2: uh-huh.
1: filled out an application and I ended up working there for almost three years. I was on the admissions unit. Uh-huh. And when I say admissions unit, it had a padded room. Oh. It had restraints for, uh-huh. for the kids. Yeah. Um, it was the most um, intensive supervision that we could provide under lock and key for kids. Yeah, And each of them was in a room by themselves. Uh-huh. Um, they had a little narrow window if we had to lock them in. I mean, it was, it was very, very intense. And awesome. um, because I knew I couldn't just call my parents and say, I dropped out of grad school. Right. So, you but I something. was a little bit more comfortable saying I dropped out of grad school, but I got I a, job. a job. Yes. I got a full-time job. Yeah. And that job was the first step in a, in a, in a, in a trajectory that lasted 11 years. And I, I wasn't, I can't call myself a social worker because I don't have a social worker degree, but I was working in the field of social work. Mm-hmm. So I worked there. And then I worked as an investigator at Child Protective Services Next. Mm -hmm. And then I worked at Catholic Charities as a SEEP coordinator, Community Emergency Assistance Program Coordinator, giving out. $50 vouchers to people that were having their lights turned off or needed money for medication or needed money for a funeral. Mm -hmm. And I remember quitting that job because I was reprimanded for giving someone two dollars vouchers for their HIV AIDS medication cocktail. And they reprimanded me because it was a Catholic organization. And they said, we don't support that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And if you do that again, we're going to fire you. Mm -hmm. And I said, don't bother. I'm quitting. So I walked out and I got a job at communities and schools and I worked at uh, Harlandale, a middle school and high school. And I worked with self-identified gang members there Mm -hmm. and then went to the Mexican American Unity Council where I was a substance abuse uh, counselor. And I ended up being the manager of that program, which was an at-risk resiliency program for kids ages 12 to 15 who had a record of truancy or had been charged with a juvenile offense. And so they would send us, the referrals came from juvenile court and JP courts, justice of the peace courts. And we would get these kids and we would put them through a 12 unit curriculum of resiliency. And once they finished our curriculum, we sent them back and their case would get dismissed. Mm -hmm. Um, And then went to Travis County. I lived in Austin for almost three years and worked as a probation officer at their juvenile facility. Mm-hmm. And I did um intensive supervision, and i did i supervised gang members spanish speaking offenders and sex offenders, all juveniles and Towards the end of that's when my dad got sick uh-huh. and it was easy for me to just pull up my stakes and go back and to go. brownsville uh-huh. and then I worked at my high school uh nice. teaching there uh-huh. and that's during that time is when I applied to go to law school and came back to San Antonio. got it wow
0: so Public, I mean, you've always wanted to help the public community, right? It sounds like the calling. Well,
1: I can tell you that my mom... So my dad worked out of town. He worked in Mexico. And my mom was, during the day, uh, the bookkeeper for a furniture company, Edelstein's Better Furniture. Uh She worked there for 26, 27 years. And they were big on education, Mm. huge on education. And she started going to night school. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: we... We wouldn't see her. I wouldn't see her till she got home from night school, 930, you know, yeah. 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. So she had to find a way to keep my brother and me busy in right. a supervised setting. Yeah. So that's where the need to enroll us in. My brother was Cub Scouts. I was, you know, playing kickball in piano lessons, uh, playing sports, any activity that she could get my brother in where we had a coach or a teacher, that's Someone where we there. were. Mm-hmm. And we also had uh, my aunt living with us. So when we were done with our after-school activities, then my aunt was there to watch us when we got home for a couple of hours until mom got home. Mm-hmm. And then mom would kind of just take over, not a whole lot cause we were ready to go to bed. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's so part of what we were doing was getting engaged in community and as I got, and and I got involved in in school government in, in junior high mm-hmm. running for student council nice. and I was a member I remember the Pan-American club and I was in the band and I played sports and nice. that it just kind of broadened in high school. Yeah. And I was class president and student government uh student council president by my senior year and I I was a member of the Ki Kiwanis Key Ki Club. Yeah. I was a member of the Latin Club. Yeah. Uh, so all of that was kind of service oriented, yeah. and that just bled into college. And when I was out of college, it was it became part of, you know, how can I continue this right. behavioral Pass. pattern of volunteering and helping different people and with this kind of drive or that drive or
0: that's amazing. And it just
1: grew into part of who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, people were when people were looking for help. We need volunteers. Call Rosie. Yeah. We need somebody. Call Rosie. You know, that kind of thing. So.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. I love that. I love that you didn't let your identity, whatever it is that's going on with you, just, no, I don't care. You know, you're going to take me for who I am and what I am. And then, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and so the other, the other kind of life skill my mom instilled in my brother and I was we can never control what other people think or right. say. Right. We can control ourselves. Yeah. So if we're in a room and we're uncomfortable, leave. Mm-hmm. Who's stopping you from leaving? Who's keeping, I remember who's, she us, who's keeping you hostage?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, we have the power to leave if we don't want to be there. Yeah. And so I practice that a lot. I even practice that today. Yeah. If I find that there's somebody in the room that's making me uncomfortable because of their behavior, or I know way too much about them that I don't like. I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll very politely yeah. excuse myself. Yeah. Hey, I, I got to go see y'all next time yeah. and I'll leave. Mm-hmm. I'll take it to the extreme. Um, if, if there's a, like a photo op, somebody wants to take a photo, there's people that will jump in the photo. And if I don't like that person, if I don't, don't want to be in a photo with them because the public's going to see me, you know, you two or three people down from them, I will remove myself from the group photo. And I'm like, y'all take the photo. Yeah. I'll take the photo for you. Right, you know, I mean, it, it, it's to those extremes, and it's, maybe it's a little overboard, but it works for me. Yeah,
0: and it's worked That's for me, boundary. you know.
1: And yes. you know, I, I'm you'll you know, I'll be sixty next year. Yeah, and so, um, it's worked for me all my life. Clearly, clearly,
0: clearly. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Can we talk about your wife? How did yeah. you guys
1: meet? We met at a professional conference, and I was her, her guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the director of a San Antonio conference of a group that used to be called algebra tech mm. and it's the association it's I, i'm gonna get it i'm gonna twist it i'm gonna get it all wrong but it's like the association of lesbian transgendered, gay therapists okay. so it was a, a professional group all licensed therapists that provide mental health services to the lgbt community and they were they came from all over the country and um now their they, their acronym is totally different society of something something but she was the San Antonio go-to person uh for their San Antonio National Conference
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um she was trying to keep the conference together because it was right on the heels it came right on the heels of the mayor at the time not supporting the non-discrimination ordinance because she invoked her religious beliefs and said she couldn't support something like that mm-hmm. and so the organization that she was a member of, wanted to pull their conference from San Antonio based on the mayor's mm-hmm. comments. Yeah. And she convinced them to stay. Uh-huh. And they asked her to invite LGBT elected officials and leadership. And so she got with one of her mom's friends who was active, more active or, or visible uh, within our community to help her marshal and round up people that she could invite as her guests. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be one of those individuals that showed up to their luncheon. And that's how we met. And I followed my mom's advice. We dated for a year. My mom always used to say, don't commit to a serious relationship until you know the person for one year. year." That's a long time. But the reasoning she would give me behind it was, you get to see all the ups and downs True. of their emotions through the year. True. You get to meet their family, you mm-hmm. get to learn what pushes buttons in the drama, and if you can survive that first year and still want to be with that person despite what you learn? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Then it's worth pursuing. Right. So, we figured out we were probably going to stay together right after like halfway mark, like after 6, six months. 6 months, yeah. And um I remember I was moving from the peanut factory to a bigger apartment and there was some, some increase in crime over there. And she, her lease was coming up and I said, I'm going to move to, um, these apartments that, she, we ended up moving in together, but they were over by, um, the Beverly. I remember that one of the mm-hmm. oldest apartment complexes in downtown. I said, I'm going to move to the Beverly cause they had just remodeled it. And it was like, art re- retro new, art yeah. and new yeah. and they had this fabulous cabana by the pool great pool and i said you want to move in with me or what do you want to do you want to still like extend your lease so she's like i need to think about it i said go ahead i'm moving so she ends up moving in with me uh-huh. and so we lived together for three or four months and we were able to manage that and i said look i'm getting old i don't want to wait Is this gonna? Are we gonna make this like a serious thing? Is this a long term thing? What are we doing? And she goes, I, I think it's it. I think you're it for me. I think you're it for me too. And so it's like, you want to get married? Let's get married. And then we were married. So easy. It was very easy. How is It, it it easy? It was. It was very easy. And so one year to the day that we met. Uh we got married on marriage Island right behind the hotel that we met at, which was the Contessa hotel. And we had her mom and her stepdad there and three of my friends were there. And and so that was the official, we had a marriage license. Uh And then her mom started in and saying, well, what about everybody else? Your family, our families, your friends. And I'm looking at Stacy and at this time she has a very good idea of how many people I know Mm -hmm. in this town. And I'm like, are we going to spend like 10 grand on a reception? And I said, and, and then with that comes everybody that we missed inviting. right? And she said, it's going to be a nightmare. And so we started to think about it. And so our solution was this, we're going to do a destination wedding. Mm-hmm. I'm going to order 500 magnetic save the date cards with a 1-800 number to the travel agent. Right. And we're going to say, join us on our Alaskan wedding cruise. Uh-huh. And wherever we see anybody we know, we'll give them an invitation. And if they want to go, join then, us. Yes. And we ended up getting like 40 people there on yeah. the cruise uh-huh. with us who yeah. attended our wedding on a Royal Caribbean Alaskan cruise.
0: That's so smart. And
1: for the entire trip, yeah. the entire like complete totality of it,
0: uh-huh.
1: our cruise line tickets the re- the reception with heavy hors d'oeuvres and open bar the ceremony itself like the whole package right was like eight grand total
0: oh my gosh to total gosh <laughs> i'll have to come to you next time for yes, wedding absolutely. advice and absolutely. how to cut on cost but have you always had problems dating because i have issues dating
1: i'm uh, girl, I had <laughs> my share of dating problems. I sh- had my share of relationship problems. Uh-huh. I, this is, you know, I've been, this is my second w- marriage. I, I'm divorced from my first wife. Uh-huh. And um, so it's not been an easy journey. And I didn't land where I land until I was past my 50s. Uh-huh. So.
0: That's good to know. Yeah. So there's
1: hope. There is hope. <laughs>
0: All right. I think um, we're coming down to the wire here. Um, Would you consider yourself successful with everything that you've accomplished?
1: Yes. Yes. No doubt about it. And I I measure that by my level of daily satisfaction. Can I sleep at night? Mm. Or do I worry about having offended somebody? Or do I worry about... So I... I don't want to worry about anything. It's it's like that that song before you were born, you don't worry, be happy, right? Right.
0: No, I don't song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, you know, that's my mantra for happiness. Don't worry, be happy and don't do things that are going to worry you. You have choices to make on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. don't, don't don't break the golden rule. Don't, you know, don't steal from people. Don't disparage people mm-hmm. treat people kindly yeah. uh, regardless of whether you know them or not just have some humanity and compassion yeah. towards your fellow neighbor whether they're homeless or I should say it's a new term right a person who is without housing yes or whether it's a traumatized person or someone without resources because if I can share I will mm-hmm. I make it a habit of if I have change or dollar bills I keep Same. them in my in my yeah. tr- in my pickup truck and if I see a homeless a person on the on the corner asking for for money, I'll I'll give them a dollar or two as opposed to just change.
2: Yeah. Uh, I
1: have a soft spot for women that are out on the streets having to fan for themselves. Right. Um, if they're at a, a a Shell or an Exxon and they come up to the pump while I'm pumping gas, and they need something, at that point I kind of have to discern. I'm like, what do you need? Do you need gas? Do you, what do you need? I won't give them cash there. If they're hungry, I'll say, I'll go in there. I'll get you a hot dog and a soda and some chips or, or, you know, where's your gas can or bring your car or, you know, how can we help you? But, you know, I deal with people that have substance abuse issues on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to propagate or, or be uh, an enabler when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. I'd rather feed their, you know, their nourishment, right. Their, their body Mm -hmm. or help them get places to a job interview but I, I don't want to be complicit in buying them drugs or, or buying them alcohol.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's next for you?
1: Retirement.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I get, I get that from a, a lot of people almost on the daily. Yeah. I will share with you that um, right after I got reelected, which was just about a year ago, I got a call from a PAC in Florida an LGBT pack. And they're like, we've been watching your race. We've been watching you. It was a man. It was a gentleman. And he said, would you consider a race for Congress? And I said, no. I said, I got a congressman. His name is Joaquin Castro and he's doing just fine. And he said, well, you know, there's going to be a time when he's not going to want to do that anymore. Would you consider that? I said, I don't want to speculate. I'm very happy doing the work that I'm doing right now on the bench that I'm on now. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of work left to do and that's what I'm focused on. And so I've been, you know, asked if I'd consider running for state house or Senate. Again, my answer is I am content where I am now. How about a higher bench? Nope. I don't want to be a district court criminal judge. I'm going to put that out there now. I don't want to be responsible for sending someone to prison for the rest of their lives and I don't want to preside over a jury who's making the decision on whether someone should be executed or not. Mm-hmm. That's just not something that I want to experience in my life. Mm-hmm. So I have no desire to do that. I may consider running for a district civil bench because a lot of my private practice before I became a judge was in the area of um child abuse and family law. Mm-hmm. So I was board certified as a child welfare law specialist. So if the time comes that I get an opportunity to consider that I may, or I may just decide to kind of just ride this bench out. And, you know, we already have plans to consider a reelection bid, Mm -hmm. um, in 2026. And that would be a a, a third term. I'm in my second term now at the beginning of it. And, and I'm going to see it through to the, to the end. And, um, I would love to be where I'm at now for 20 years, which would put me into my 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stacy says, you know, I don't want you to be that person at that age out campaigning. I want you to enjoy life. I want to travel right. with you. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to take it on a year to year basis for yeah. sure. I'm on that bench until 2026. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, we're, we're already looking at, you know, how are we going to do a third term? You know, if we're going to announce that, where are we are going to announce that things of that nature? And if it's a third term, then that would put me on the bench for 12 years. 12, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. You know, we, you never know what life has in store. It's true. Uh, 10 years ago, if you asked me, if I thought I was going to be a judge, I'd be like, no. <laughs> and here I am, you know, yeah. presiding over a domestic violence court.
0: Wow just absolutely fabulous it's it's so inspiring and as someone who's a transplant with san antonio
1: oh I yeah i just, am too and, yeah and fine. i love this city yeah. and i've said it before uh the city has embraced me for who i am yeah. with, you know these minor hiccups of idiots we run sure. into but yeah. uh, nothing that nothing memorable yeah right um other than it, the experience does occur but in large part San Antonio has embraced me, and I feel a great debt of gratitude to this community. Yeah. And I will take every opportunity given to me to, to give back and to serve.
0: Yeah. Oh, I will do the same, because two years of being here, it, this feels like home to me. Okay, final question. Actually, two more questions. Okay. Um, anything that you want to say to women who, say, just came out or undecided? it about coming out do you have any advice
1: it's a process it's not black and white Mm. and i would say to them do not feel pressured to identify in a certain box Mm. sexuality i've learned this from stacy is very fluid yes um and on one day, you may want to express yourself in a very effeminate way. Mm-hmm. On another day, you may want to express yourself in a very non-binary way. Mm-hmm. On another day, you may want to express yourself in what we call a very butch way. Mm-hmm. And you decide
2: yeah.
1: how you want to express yourself on a day-to-day basis. And don't let someone else impose their expectations and their beliefs on you. You Go with a flow that is comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. You go with a flow that is authentic to the core of who you are. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say to someone who has newly discovered that they have Mm -hmm. more on their plate and and, and sexuality, sexuality palette Mm -hmm. than just identifying as, as binary.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Final question if you're a taco what kind of taco would you be
1: tripa crispy yes with lots of pico de gallo on it
0: yeah absolutely
1: (laughs) i'm a tripa taco i love it
0: all right there you have it oh my gosh judge rosie thank you for coming to the show what an absolute pleasure and I'm, I'm sure one of these days we'll see each other again. And I would definitely also want to interview your wife, hear her side of the story. She's also <laughs> a very interesting person, lots of Oh, she, she sounds great
1: on a podcast. Oh, there
0: you go. All right, everybody. Um, we'll see you on the next podcast.
1: And a taco a day keeps the doctor away. That's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> Judge Rosie has a long list of awards and recognitions. Some of those include, Alice Wright Franca Feminist Award in 2020, LGBTQ Individual Leadership Award in 2021, Pioneer Award by the Bear County Commissioners for three and a half years, Political Icon Award by the Pride Center, Adele Advocate for the Poor Award, Presidential National Leadership Award. Judge Thielin Gonzalez devoted her career as an attorney to obtaining fairness and justice for the disenfranchised and the voiceless. And as a judge, she continues to be committed to ensuring that women have a seat at the policy-making table of their respective communities of origin.